Well, good evening. It is about 7 o'clock. That means it is time for the midweek Bible study here at Santee Circle Church of God in Monks Corner, South Carolina. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to let's open up with a word of prayer. Immediately following that, we will jump right in to our Bible study this evening. I want to make mention of one prayer request to you, though. Uh, Sister Riley James, uh, has one of our teenagers, uh, has uh, one of her teachers uh, who has a friend of theirs who is battling uh, for their life, he and his wife. Uh, his wife is actually on life support, and he is uh, very sick uh, as well due to some complications from COVID, and uh, they are wanting uh, everyone they can to pray. And so she texted us today, and we said we would certainly do that. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, today we come before you under the mighty name of Jesus, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Christ the Lord. Father, today there are many needs among our people. Lord, you heard the request Sister Riley James brought before us today about this precious family who husband and wife both are battling for their lives, God, due to complications from being sick. Lord, I pray today you would just go on their bed of affliction and touch them today. Lord, we pray for Sister Jamie Ben and Haley who is still recovering from surgery. Lord, we pray for Sister Faye Huff in the nursing home. Lord, we continue to pray for Brother Barnes and Sister Barnes. Lord, we continue, God, to uplift uh, Bonnie Gunn, who's battling cancer, and Sister Laura Mae Skipper, and Sister Jane, who is home, who are homebound. God, we pray, God, today as we unfurl your word and we unpack the truths of God's word today, God, that you would speak to us in a supernatural, a special, and a powerful way. Lord, we're asking right now that you would come into our midst, God, and bless this Bible study that we would, uh, Lord, at this moment hear from you and your word. We will forever give you the praise and the glory and honor. That is, do your name in Christ Jesus, we pray and ask these things. And all God's people together said, Amen and Amen. While you're turning uh, into your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 12, we'll be in book of Proverbs chapter 12. Let me remind you of a couple things you can give online at uh, tithe.ly, and you can search for Santee Circle COG, you, or you can go to our church website, SanteeCircleCOG.org, not Santee Circle Church, but SanteeCircleCOG.org, and you can check us out on the internet, you can go there, uh, and you can uh, be a part of that with us, and you can uh, literally uh, give, uh, there's a tab there that says give, and it will direct you how to do that. Don't forget you can go and download our church app and then search Santee Circle COG. Literally download the app called Our Church and then search Santee COG and follow along. Don't forget this Sunday starts VBS 2021, God's Story. Uh, it will be from 7 to 9 p.m. If you are interested in helping or you still uh, need to register your kids, please see Sister Jennifer Wyatt today. Also, uh, don't forget, we are in a series called Living Wisely in a Foolish World. Living Wisely in a Foolish World. And so today we want to talk today about that. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs Chapter number 12, the book of Proverbs, chapter number 12, and we are going to be uh, reading at verse 26. So I'll give you just a moment there to, 
to uh, sign in, uh, to either sign into your phone or to sign into your computer, and to join us today as we do uh, the Bible study tonight. I want to talk for a few minutes on finding fantastic friends. I told you we're we're doing a series called Living Wisely in a Foolish World, and so tonight I want to talk just for a few moments on finding fantastic friends. Finding fantastic friends. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter number 12, verse 26, the Bible says these words. It says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The wise choose their friends wisely or carefully. The righteous ones, they'll choose them carefully, but the ways of the wicked will often lead them astray. And may God add the blessing to the reading of His Word. You know, it's often been said, what is a friend? What classifies or uh, or what conjugates uh, the meaning of the word friend? Irma Bombeck said this one time. She said, a friend doesn't go on a diet because you are fat. Some have said, a friend will go on liking you no matter how successful either one of you become. You see, another another person was quoted saying, a friend will see the best in you even when you're not showing it. See, our basic human fear, all of us have that, that someday we will be left alone or we will be unloved or unwanted. The basic human fear, uh, attribute that we all desire is to be loved, to have be affection, uh, have people have affection toward us. Our basic human instinct is to want people to love us and to cherish us and to nurture us and to be a part of our lives. We don't want to grow old and be alone. We don't want to be unloved. And so we are often found uh, in this time, in our period of our lives, to Fear the unknown of what it would mean to be unloved or to be all alone. So we desire by our very nature community. You hear churches talk about it all the time. In fact, you'll hear them talk about small groups, getting plugged into small groups. You know, that's what Sunday school is. If you let me plug Sunday school while I'm talking about it right here. If you have not come to our Sunday school class or our Sunday school hour at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, then boy, you don't know what you're missing. But it is an opportunity for us to have small groups and community together. And that's what we desire. Our basic human instinct is to desire community. We want to be one with another. We want to have communion one with another. That is our basic need or basic want. You see, all of us desire to have friends So today I want to talk to you about how is that possible. I want to go through some things. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is don't choose foolish friends. Be careful. The Bible said the wise or the righteous will choose their friends carefully or wisely. Don't pick foolish friends. You see, a few things in life will determine what kind of people we will become. One of those has to do with the friends that we associate with. In fact, Proverbs 13 and 20 says this, He who walks with wise men will likewise be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Listen to what he says. 
The wise man, those who hang out with wise people will get wise. They'll become more, they'll have more wisdom. They, they will become wiser than they were before. But those who hang out with fools or those that are the companions of fools will suffer harm or it will lead them to destruction. You know, in the Bible, the Bible says be careful uh, who you call a fool. But Jesus gives us a parable and tells us what a fool actually looks like. In fact, in the parable of the rich farmer whose fields produced bountifully, he decided in that moment that instead of sharing the produce and sharing the wealth, that he would build bigger, bigger vats or bigger barns to store his abundant crop. He said, I've been so blessed and so rich, I think I'm going to build bigger barns to just prove how wealthy I am. He ends up saying, Thou hast so much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. What he said is, I'm so rich, and I got so much stuff, you know what, I'm just going to kick back, take it easy, and live the good life, if you will. But the Bible says in Luke 12 and 20, this is what God said to him. You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? What God was saying to him is he says, you know, this very night you're going to die. And then what? You won't get to enjoy it. Somebody else will enjoy it, but you won't enjoy it. You see, a fool is anyone who doesn't put God first in his or her life. And they say in their heart, there is no God. That's found in Psalms 14 and 1. You see, we are foolish if we choose friends whose number one priority is anything other than pleasing the Lord. If the people you surround yourself with and your circle of influencers that you surround yourself with are people who are doing everything but lead you to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, or they do not strive to please the Lord, then in the very essence of that is simple. It's very simple. In fact, you have chose foolish friends. See, the way we can tell if we have chosen wise friends or friends that are of good rapport is the fact that they will strive to lead us towards a deeper relationship with the Lord rather than lead us astray from our relationship with the Lord. You see, the kind of person that you and I will be in a year from now often can be determined by the kinds of friends that we choose. If I choose to hang out with drug addicts and drunks and revelers and revilers of evil practices and people who are into sexual promiscuity, if I decide to hang out with people who are sinners, then there's a good chance that I'm going to fall into prey and become a sinner. You see, it's so easy for us to be pulled down. And it's so much harder for us to pull someone up. In fact, when you put your hands up in the air, it takes more effort to lift your hands than it does to let them drop. That's why when we say in church, lift up your hands and give God a praise or lift your hands and worship the Lord, it takes effort. 
It takes movement. It takes effort. It's harder to do this than let them sag. The devil wants you to feel down. The devil wants you to feel downtrodden. The devil wants you to feel browbeaten and, and, and depressed and, and feel like there's no hope. The devil doesn't want you to have to exert a little bit of extra effort or a little bit of extra energy and lift your hands and praise the Lord. The devil wants you to be in bad straits. But I wonder... I wonder if that little bit of effort of lifting my hands and giving God praise would actually serve me better because that little bit of effort the Lord would honor. You see, it's easier for me to pull someone down than for someone to be pulled up. You see, as I often teach to our teenagers here at the church, they often are faced with enormous peer pressures. They're not oftentimes faced with lots of challenges and lots of, of, of different things that their, their friends or their, their acquaintances or the people that they go to school with, they put pressure on them. You see, they face that every day. They must be taught by pastors and youth pastors and, and Sunday school teachers and Spiritual fathers and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers of the faith, they must be taught you choose your friends wisely based on character. You don't choose friends by their popularity. You don't choose friends by their likability. You don't choose friends by their appearance. You don't choose friends by their money or their social status. You don't choose friends by their athletic competency. You don't choose friends by what they can give you, per se. You choose friends by character. Who they are, their integrity, their morality, who they are when no one is looking, you choose friends by character. You see, oftentimes it is hard for us to choose friends because oftentimes we want to have fun. And it seems like the sinners and those in the world have a whole lot more fun than we who are born again believers and Christians. You see the same can be true, said can be true about relationships. If you make friends with someone whose morals are lower than yours, then often you will most likely lower your standards. People will pull us down morally. People will destroy our integrity. People will pull us down spiritually, emotionally, morally, physically. They have this ability to drain and to zap and to take the very life source of us out of the equation. That is why we need to remember that scripture I read to you tonight in our reading in Proverbs 12 and 26. The righteous choose friends carefully, but the ways of the wicked lead to destruction or lead them astray. You see, a truly righteous person chooses friends carefully. But wicked people don't care. Wicked people don't care who their friends are because they only pick friends based on likability. And they don't care if their friends go astray because they're not trying to live a certain way. They're just trying to have a little bit of fun, live their best life now. YOLO, you only live once. They're just trying to live their best. But that's not biblically. It's not what God desires. So you have to understand that you also must choose, not only don't choose foolish friends, but you should choose 
fortifying friends. Fortifying friends. You know what a fort is? Many of you probably as children or have, if you have children or grandchildren, you've built one. A fort is a structure that's supposed to be a make-believe place, but you, you, you barrel yourself in. It's like your safe place. It's the hiding place. It's the home base. It's safe. It's a fort. Keeps you safe. Keeps you safe from Pop or Grandma finding you and tickling you. It keeps you safe from the imaginary monsters that are living in the house. It's a, it's a fort. It's a safety place. God wants you to have and I to have fortifying friends. People that will keep our integrity safe. That will keep our morality safe. That will keep our spirituality safe. That will keep our, our, our physical and our emotional stability safe. God wants us to choose people that are going to keep us grounded on Christ the solid rock. Keep us grounded on a sure foundation. God wants us to choose friends that are going to protect us, not destroy us. So how do you know or how do you choose fortifying friends? Well, number one, you find people who build you up morally. Find people who will build you up morally or with your morality. You see, the true test of fantastic friendships is this. It's a real simple question you should ask yourself. Are you a better person? Are you a better person because they are your friend? Or have you changed who you are once they became your friend? Have they made you a better person by being in your life? Or have they changed who you used to be when they entered your life? Proverbs 29 or 27, excuse me, Proverbs 27 and 9 says, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So will a man's counsel, which is sweet to his friends. It says, as ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friends. That means that he had a good friend. You see, I believe you could say it like this. I love you. Not for what you are, but for what I am when I am with you. Listen to that statement. I love you for what you, I don't love you, I love you not for what you are, for, but for what I am when I am with you. I don't love you because of what you have made of yourselves, but I love you for what you have made of me. I love you not because of what you have made for yourself, but what you have made from out of me. You see, fantastic friends or fortifying friends, they will build us up morally. They will encourage us. They will sustain us. They will protect us. They will keep us. They will look out for our best interest at heart. They care for us. Another factor of fortifying friends is that they will build us up emotionally. They will build you up emotionally. They will take your emotions into consideration. They won't try to make you cry. They won't try to consistently hurt your feelings. They won't try to consistently be vindictive and manipulative and try to control you. But they'll do their best to prefer you and to uplift you and to take your emotions into consideration and protect you. You see, there was once... An English publication 
They had a contest for those who could come up for the best definition of a friend. Here were some of the best replies. One replied, said, A friend is one who multiplies your joy and divides your grief. Another one said, A friend is one who understands us in our silence. But the winner that was chosen, the winning description or definition of a friend that was chosen by this publication was this. A friend is someone who comes in the door when the whole world walks out the door. A friend is one who walks in the door when the whole world walks out the door. My mind immediately went to the words that describe Jesus. I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is one that when the world turns their back on you, God turns his face toward you. When the world ostracizes you and isolates you and ridicules you and humiliates you, God puts his arms around you and he shelters you and he lets you abide in the secret place and dwelling place of the shadow of the Almighty and he holds you and he nurtures you and he lets you cry and he ministers to you. When the world turns their back on you, God turns his face toward you. When the world says you're a nothing, you'll never make it, you're, you'll never make anything out of yourself, you're no good, you're a low-down scoundrel, you're just a, you're just a rascal, you're just a, a horrible person, God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God says He will always be there with you. God says He supports you. You see... Proverbs 17 and 17 describes it like this. A friend loveth at all time. A friend loveth at all times. Meaning that no matter what happens, they'll stick by you. When the wife leaves, they're there for you to be a shoulder to cry on and to just listen to you vent your anger and frustrations. When the husband leaves, They're there to hear you vent your frustrations and cry. When the children grow wayward and the children, if you will, kind of fall off the beaten path and they get a little unruly, God sends those friends by to encourage you and uplift you in spirit. You see, the way we know we have fortifying friends is when we are emotionally distraught, when we are emotionally charged, when we are emotionally drained, when we are emotionally in a very delicate state, there are people who will sit in sackcloth and ashes and the doldrums of life and they will sit there and they will cry with us, they will minister to us, they will be there with us and help us through this difficult journey. You remember the story of Job. Job was going through the most difficult seasons of life he had lost his children he had lost his cattle he had lost his wealth and income he had lost his health his wife had even said you're a miserable man just curse God and die you're it looks horrible why are you still holding on and Job had three friends that showed up some friends they were though 
instead of being there to support Job and his situation, all they could do is say, it's your fault. Job, you sinned. You messed up. It's your fault. You're the one that did it. Wow. Wow. That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. When the world looks at you and says you're in this situation and it's your own fault. You know, sometimes things happen to us in life that are not our own fault. We didn't ask for it. We didn't ask for the spouse to leave. We didn't ask for the children to, to, to go wayward and to turn sideways. We didn't ask for uh, uh, for someone at the church to say something to hurt us. We didn't ask to go through church hurt. We didn't ask to go through this situation. We didn't ask for that. But we inherited that. You see, a friend will build us up emotionally. So I want to say to you, secondly, not only should you choose, not choose foolish friends, and you should choose fortifying friends, but I want to talk as the second main point tonight of how do you make fantastic friends. How do you know if you are making fantastic friends? Well, the way to make fantastic friends is first and foremost, there are five, what I believe are five things God requires. God wants us to have them, but there, there are five things that requires doing this in order to make fantastic friends one must be cheerful the bible said god loves a cheerful giver a merry heart or a cheerful heart doeth good like a medicine people don't want to hang out with people who are pouty faced and mad all the time and pouting and whining and grumbling and complaining and always fussing about how hard this is and how hard that is and how awful their life is and how bad the boss is and how much work that never gets done and how awful day shift is, how awful night shift is, how awful this one is. People get tired. There's enough negativity going on in the world. They don't have time to listen to all your mess. People got enough mess in their own lives. They don't need yours too. Hello, preacher. That's good preaching. You see... Being cheerful is not that difficult to do. One way to do that is smiling. Show them those cheesers. Give them them big old cheesy smiles. Let the let those pearly white gates of ivory uh, 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 placements in your mouth be able to be seen by the world. Smile. There is enormous power in smiling. Try it right now. Wherever you are, just start smiling. Whatever, I don't care. You can be sitting at home. You can be in the grocery store. You can be talking to somebody, listening to this message. Just smile. Wherever you are right now, just smile. You'll feel better. You might feel right now like, Pastor, you're making me feel like an idiot. But you're going to laugh about it because it made you feel better. Just smile. Because what happens is smiling gets to be contagious. You smile at that person when you walk by grabbing the ice cream at Walmart. And they smile back. Why? Because it's contagious. You smile at the young lady or young man handing you your Chick-fil-A dinner at night. And you give them a big old smile. You know what happens? They smile back. Why? Because it's contagious. You see, it will make you and everyone around you feel better. It just brightens someone's day. The smile is a great way to make new friends. If you smile and make other people smile... You will have a much happier life because people will see that you are someone of joy and gladness. Weeping endures for night, but joy comes in the morning. God wants to give us joy in our heart. 
In fact, Proverbs 15 and 15 says, But a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Meaning a cheerful heart is like a continual feast. Continual feast literally is like a buffet line. The food just keeps coming. It keeps coming. It's like having what they call family style. You ever go to like Paula Deen's in Savannah, Georgia or or Miss Wilkes in Savannah, Georgia, uh, and those kinds of places, they're known as a family style. And they just keep bringing bowls of potato salad, mashed potatoes, cubes, fried chicken, uh, smoked sausage, they just get lima beans. They just keep bringing it out, one right behind the other. You know why? <laughs> because it is a continual feast. They want you to not leave hungry. They want you to eat. They say that's what the Bible said a cheerful heart is like. It continues to give. You see, cheerful people enjoy life despite, despite adverse circumstances. Cheerful people enjoy life despite adverse circumstances. Some people light up a room when they enter, while others light it up when they leave. Hello? Some people, you're glad to see them come in, but some people, you're glad to see them go back out. Come on, somebody. People light up the room that they enter in, but others light up the room when they leave it. So make sure that you're a cheerful person. Another way, be generous. Be generous. You know, make people feel like they're appreciated. Make people feel loved. Make people feel like that they mean something to you. You see, when people feel appreciated and praised and loved, it'll bring the bre- it'll bring the best out of them. You see, the world is full, and still is full, of negativity, critical, condescending, mean people who love nothing more than to tear down and to and to browbeat and put others down. So they can feel better about themselves. You know I've often learned the people who constantly do that are more unhappy with themselves. And because they're unhappy they want everybody else to be unhappy. And it makes them feel like their life is better if they can tear other people's lives down instead. You see however we as Christians are not to be like the world. The Bible says be ye in the world but not of it. You see, the most important time to praise a person is when they're down. The most important time to praise a person is when they're not at their best. When you see that teenager putting their head down after losing a softball game, maybe they missed the catch, maybe they made the wrong throw, maybe they struck out with runners, the tying run and winning run on base. The time they need encouragement is right then. Oh, it's great to tell them how awesome they are when they hit the game-winning home run and they run around the bases and we're all jumping up and down in the dugout. But the time that she is sitting, that young lady is sitting there crying, thinking she's a failure because she let her team down and the rest of her team is like, oh, great, yeah, you struck out. Way to cost us the game there. Or you couldn't catch a fly ball and protect the lead. Or if you didn't have a candy, uh, if you didn't have a candy arm, you'd actually been able to make the throw and get her out. See, those words can hurt. They already feel down. That's when you go over there and you put your arm around them and you say, "Hey, look, there'll be another game. 
You know how many games you have helped us win? How many games you have saved us from losing? You're still a part of this team. Yeah, yeah, I, but, but coach, you don't understand, I struck out with the game on the line. Yeah, you did. But you know, in the second inning, Shelly was up to bat. We had bases loaded, two outs. If she'd have just got a base hit, we'd have scored another run. And in the fourth inning, Mallory was up. We had a runner at third with no one out. And she struck out. And then Jennifer got up and she hit a ball right back to the pitcher and held, she held the runner at third and threw to first and got her out. And then Jessica came up and she flew out to center field. If one of them would have got a hit, the game would have been tied. You see, you encourage, you praise, you, you're generous with your praise and your accolades to people. When people are down, they need an encouraging word. Be generous in giving encouragement. Be stingy in giving criticism and be generous in giving encouragement. Lift up someone who is down. Encourage them. Be with them. You see, it is important... To praise the person when they're down. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Anxiety is in a man's heart and it will weigh it down. But a good word can make it glad. Listen to the word. God's word said, Anxiety is in a man's heart and it will weigh it down. But a good word will make it glad. You see, we are to focus on people's talents, honesty, Things like honesty, loyalty, abilities, accomplishments, talents. Focus on those things and then find means and mechanisms and channels to say, this is why you're special. This is why you're a part of this team. This is why we love having you a part of our church. Tell them, hey, Riley, we love having you sing on praise team. It's such an encouragement to see teenagers wanting to, to help do things for the Lord. Madison, you're doing such a great job on the media. I know you were terrified the last two weeks running the media for church when, when it was brand new computer and brand new cameras. I know it was scary. But you know what? You did such a good job. We're so proud of you. We're proud of you. Encourage them. Another way to make fantastic friends is to be modest. What do you mean, preacher? Well, don't toot your own horn so much. Now, Sister Jennifer does such a such a fantastic job playing the saxophone here for our church. She has the tenor and the alto sax that she plays so uh, eloquently and so gifted. But using stealing a, a coin or a phrase from that, don't toot your own horn. Don't make it always be about you. And thank, thank the Lord she is one of the most humble people. She doesn't make it about her. None of the band. Brother Larry, Brother Dennis, Brother Randy, Sister Carol. None of them do. Sister Sherry and Riley. They're so, Sister Brenda Burbage. They're so faithful. But don't toot your own horn. In fact, when we toot our own horns, we often give the impression that we are insecure and arrogant braggers. We're braggarts. We like to brag. Well, I, I got a, I got a 400, I got a 450 batting average. 
I'm batting over. I got a, over a thousand OPS. That's on base plus slugging percentage for those of you who don't do softball and baseball. I got a, I got a, you know, brand new car. I just paid X amount of dollars for this brand new boat. It's, nobody's ever driven this boat. Top of the line. Don't brag. Nobody likes a bragger. Don't be a part of the braggart family. Not Jimmy Swagger, the braggart family. Don't be a part of the braggart family. See, what happens is when we toot our own horns, we make people think that we're insecure about ourselves. <laughs> Makes us look like we have no confidence. Proverbs 27 and 2 says this. Let others praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Some people brag by association. Some people brag by name dropping. You met name droppers? Well, you know, I'm friends with so-and-so. Well, so-and-so and so-and-so told me to call you, you know, they, they are one of my close friends. Name droppers. We try to impress people by the famous people we know or the successful people with whom we are associated with in a business. People will brag about where they have been or what they've accomplished. They're just tooting their horns. But being modest is more about talking about others, preferring others, lifting others up than ourselves. Quit worrying about what the Bible. Remember what Proverbs 27 says? Let others praise you, not your own mouth. Let a stranger and not your own lips. Let somebody else tell you how awesome you are. It's better that way. Have humility. Be humble. You know, ask questions about their work, their background, their family, their hobbies. Because when we ask people about themselves, they get to do the talking. See, too many people like to talk, not a lot of people like to listen. So we should start playing the talker listening game. You let them talk and you listen. When they're done, then you try to regurgitate or you try to rephrase exactly everything they said to make sure that you understood them correctly, give them the opportunity to make sure it was interpreted right, called communication, then you can have a turn. But listen to them. No one likes chatterboxes who do all the talking trying to impress. Some people just need someone to bend an ear and listen. Oftentimes they'll think you're a brilliant, nice, secure, just Wise beyond your years person. You may not have a clue, but if you're smart enough to keep your, your trap shut, two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk, they're going to think you are a genius. So let them talk. You be modest and humble. Another way is learn to be real. Be honest about your weaknesses, your fears, your mistakes. See, it's hard for us to be transparent. But you know the best way to make friends is transparency. Yeah, I'm a preacher, but I'm not a perfect preacher. Yeah, I pastor a church, but I've made many mistakes. Things I wish I'd have done different. Yeah, I I, uh, I used to do such and such. I used to be involved in such and such. I used to do that, but, but I made some bad choices. You don't have to give all the dirty laundry, but be willing to admit that you have failures and weaknesses and you've made mistakes. 
Nobody wants to be around people who they think are holier than thou and never have ever had a struggle in their life. They want to know you've been where they've been. You see the Apostle Paul, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, we can see in Romans 16 that he had a lot of friends. One reason that is the case because he was honest with himself. He didn't try to act like some super spiritual Christian who never wavered in his faith. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, he says, I was with you in weaknesses and in fear and in much trembling. He admitted, guys, I messed up too. I'm the chiefest of all sinners. I was a screw up. But God still chose me. And many people followed him and thronged after his ministry. I'm going to tell you something tonight that may, old, uh, that may utterly shock you. I want you, wherever you are right now, to grab a hold of your seat, grab a hold to the counter, or grab a hold to whoever sitting beside your hand, and hold on because I'm about to rock your world in just one statement. Everybody already knows you're not perfect, so quit trying to fool them. Everybody already knows you're not perfect, so quit trying to fool them. Everybody has seen our mistakes. Whether we ever admit them or not, people know we're not perfect. You see, no one is great at everything. No one's got, not, everybody's not going to be great at cars. I know I'm not. Everybody's not going to be great at sports. Everyone's not going to be great at cooking. Everyone's not going to be great at singing or playing an instrument or preaching the gospel or teaching a Sunday school class. Not everyone's going to be great at computers. Not everyone's going to be great at accounting or math. Not everyone's going to be great in science and scientific discoveries and studies. Not everyone's going to be an English major or a, or a future author. Not everyone is gifted at everything. That's what makes us so beautiful, a part of the body of Christ. We're all diverse and unique. No one is perfect. But then can I tell you, lastly, you've got to know how to be faithful. Be faithful. There's no better place to find and to make fantastic friends than in the house of the Lord. Go to a Wednesday night's midweek Bible study. Go to a Sunday school class. Go to a small group. Come to church. Get a part of the fellowship and the body of Christ. You see, you get to know people in small groups in a church much easier than in a large group like a worship service. Sometimes during worship it's hard to get to everybody. But in the after, but if you go to Sunday school or you go to Wednesday night church, you get to sit and you have coffee and talk to them and get to know them. You get to know them. You see, you get to know people in a much easier, much easier group, much smaller group. Research has shown that if you don't get involved in small group Bible studies. You are likely to drop out of church within two years. Why? Because people are missing community and connectivity. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In order to sharpen iron, you rub it against two pieces. You rub an iron, a piece of iron against another piece of iron, and it will literally start to sharpen the iron. A good Christian friend can help sharpen us in our spiritual skills and Bible study, prayer, fasting, finding our spiritual gifts. A good friend, spiritually, a spiritually grounded, a good Christian friend will help us 
on our journey. So tonight I hope that you take this lesson to heart that God wants us to find fantastic friends. Don't choose foolish friends. Make sure you choose fortifying friends. And the way you know is they are cheerful and generous and modest and real and faithful to the cause of Christ. As Proverbs 12 and 26 said as we close tonight, the righteous will choose their friends carefully, but the ways of the wicked will lead them astray. Father, thank you today for the opportunity to share your word with your people today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart have been acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and blessed Redeemer. May you bless us and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Don't forget to continue to pray for those we prayed for at the beginning of service who are homebound, shut-ins, those having surgery. Uh, People like Sister Brenda Frierson had a procedure done today. And we're praying for her recovery. And Jamie Bennett Haley and this friend uh, of Riley, uh, James's teacher, and uh, Sister Laura Mae Skipper and Sister Jane, her sister, who are homebound, Sister Faye Huff in the nursing home, Bonnie Gunn with cancer, Brother and Sister Barnes, just, just continue to uplift our church. And each week, don't forget that you can go to our website and give at SantiCircleCOG.org if you want to bless our ministry here at uh, the Santee Circle Church of God in Monks Corner, South Carolina. Don't forget to download the Our Church app. The Our, just literally, it's called Our Church app. And you can literally download that and search for the name Santee Circle COG. And that will direct you uh, into uh, uh, the App Store or the Google Play Store to, to do that as well. And also, don't forget VBS is this Sunday night. You can still register. If you want to register online, you can go to SanteeCircleCOG.org. Under the resource tab, you will see VBS registration. You can fill out that form, and you can submit that, and we will add you to the list. It's Sunday night this week, 7 to 9 p.m. We'd love to have you. Invite a friend. Invite some family members as well. We love you. We're praying for you. Until next time, may God bless you. In Christ's name, we pray all these things. Let the church together say amen and amen. God bless you tonight.